Eagles Entertainment. Welcome, Eagles everywhere, to the Eagles Insider Podcast, presented by Lincoln Financial Group. I'm Eagles Insider Dave Spadaro. Glad to be back with you. Had a little time off there. Now we turn our attention to training camp 2021. The Eagles reporting to the Novacare Complex on Tuesday, July 27th. There'll be a light practice on July 28th, and then it kind of gets rolling after that with a little caveat here. Three preseason games. We're excited about that after missing the preseason last year. And joint practices with the New England Patriots and with the New York Jets. That two-week break from the final preseason game to the start of the regular season also gives head coach Nick Sirianni an opportunity to get everyone on the same page, that final 53-man roster. So it is here. It is real. It's been a long, long offseason, and we've all had to be patient. And we're looking forward to a quote-unquote normal Philadelphia Eagles season. What kind of season we're looking at? Well, that remains to be seen. A new head coach, a new quarterback, the roster going through the usual turnover. But the Philadelphia Eagles coming off a very difficult 4-11-1 season. What do they have in store for the year ahead with the new head coach in NFC East that has not had a repeat winner since the Eagles in 2003-2004. So anything is possible in this division. Today on the Eagles Insider Podcast, presented by Lincoln Financial Group, we're actually going to go on the outside. All right, the, the Novacare Complex is still a bit sleepy. It has opened up to some staff. The business side still over at Lincoln Financial Field. Over here at Novacare, we've got the content department. We've got all the football operations people. Uh, the media relations staff is here. So it's starting to feel a lot like football, Eagles football. And with that, we're going to talk to three reporters who cover the Eagles and get their perspective on what to expect, perhaps, from the Eagles in 2021. A bit later on, we'll hear from ESPN's Sal Palantonio in his 25th year of covering the NFL and the Philadelphia Eagles. We'll hear from Jimmy Kemsky as well from Philly Voice. We're going to begin with my good buddy Bo Wolf, former Eagles employee here, now working for The Athletic, as he kind of does his dissection of the Philadelphia Eagles heading into training camp here at the Novacare Complex. Bo, uh, look, new era for Nick Sirianni. Um, as you look at the Philadelphia Eagles, I wonder, do you have ideas on what objectives Nick must meet in this training camp heading into the regular season? Well, I mean, I think it's all about buy-in, right? I mean, it's about him establishing this culture that he wants to establish of, uh, of competition and uh, getting these guys all on the same page. And, you know, this is a, I'm sure you have talked about it, this is a very young coaching staff, and I think they want to infuse that energy into uh, into everything they do and into this locker room. And it's interesting because it's such a young coaching staff, but, like, the nucleus of the team is still some of these veterans, uh, these, these older guys over 30. So it's an interesting match. And I think the goal for Sirianni is to make sure that, that he has everybody on board with the program that he wants to build. And to do that, he's been a very enthusiastic head coach. His, his energy has been well-documented early. So the message is let's compete. Let's be accountable. Let's play with a high football IQ. Let's love the game. 
uh, Bo, these are these are great mantras. We've we've heard about them. Um, but when you get right down to it, where do you think the Eagles need the most improvement to really contend in 2021? Well, I think it's you know I, all of these things about enthusiasm and competition and the energy that that Sirianni brings are are important, and I'm sure there are reasons why he was hired. But I think it would be uh, it would be naive to think that the reason he he was hired wasn't to come in and improve the passing game. I mean that has always been uh, Jeffrey Lurie's number one priority with a head coach is a guy who can have a, a high powered offense. And uh, Nick Sirianni, after you know having learned from from Frank Reich and, and some other guys, I think that is the goal here. And so you know is that doing whatever he can to make sure that Jalen Hurts can get guys the ball in space. You know the offense was so stagnant last year and and uh, you know, the route concepts, everything was difficult. And so, you know, can Devontae Smith come in and be a number one wide receiver right away? Can uh, Jalen Rager take a step forward in year two? Can Dallas Goddard turn into a, you know, a difference maker at tight end? Can, can Miles Sanders be the receiver that he was as a rookie and not the guy who, who struggled to catch the ball and get on the same page with Carson Wentz last year? So uh, I, I think it would be um, it would be a little bit naive to, not to think that the number one goal for this team and the number one improvement they need to make across the board is in the passing game. So you've asked a bunch of questions. Do you feel that a lot of those answers will be <laughs> answered in the positive? Well, I guess we'll, I guess we'll wait and see. And I don't know if we'll get those answers in training camp, but I mean, I think if you look at it objectively, obviously, you're expecting a huge step forward from the offensive line uh, just in terms of guys staying healthy. And if they do stay healthy, it should be one of the better offensive lines in the league. I mean, I think all eyes are, are obviously going to be on that left tackle competition. And I think that's sort of the, the main event of training camp, if you will, if you push aside just all eyes on, on Jalen Hurts. But a lot of it's going to come down to, to Hurts. And, and, you know, can he improve uh, as a passer, you know, with his accuracy and I'm just, you know, I'm curious. I'm excited to see what this offense looks like. I don't, I don't know what to expect from uh, what the offense is going to look like, what Nick Sirianni's imprint is going to be on the types of routes they run, the types of plays they run. Uh, that's what's, you know, when you've got a new coaching staff, uh, that's what's so exciting. Like, you know, we don't know what Jonathan Gannon's defense is going to look like. So uh, that intrigue level is high. I don't know if we're going to find out, you know, if it's going to be good or not in training camp, but. Uh, I'm certainly looking forward to, you know, parsing all the, the uh, early signs. Hey, Bo, what did you see from Jalen Hurts last year, and, and what makes you think, uh, if you think this, that he can take that step from year one to year two? Well, I mean, everybody you talk to uh, says that he is, like, one of the hardest-working guys there is, and he's a great sort of leader uh, in terms of leading his peers, and so that, that stuff is all good. And in, in terms of him as a runner, I was, I was, uh, you know, very impressed with what he did last year. I think he's one of the better uh, running quarterbacks in the league, but, but it's going to come down to, uh, you know, are they building the offense around his legs to incorporate that as, as a major part of the offense? Or, or is this offense going to be built in sort of, you know, the, the way of what the Colts did over the past couple of years? And, and Jalen Hurts has to fit himself into that offense. I think most people you would talk to would say, you know, uh, you want to coach with your players in mind and not sort of force square pegs into, into round holes. So uh, I, I am encouraged by, by Jalen Hurts. I think, you know, everybody says that the, the biggest jump is year one to year two. We'll, we'll see if that happens with him. That said, you know, the, the track record of second round quarterbacks is, is not super great. And so uh, I think the Eagles are, are watching 
very closely, but uh, it's, it's up to Jalen Hurts to prove that he can be the guy long-term. Devontae Smith, Bo, you have expectations? Do you have numbers in mind for him? Well, you know, it's been, what, uh, seven, eight years since the Eagles have had a wide receiver uh, top 1,000 yards receiving, and that would be, uh, that would be a great rookie season um, for Devontae Smith. I guess you've got one extra game with 17 games to get there. But uh, numbers-wise, my expectations are that he leads the team in receiving, that he, that he is the number one receiver. I don't know if that's you know, 800, 900 yards, but um, I, I do expect that he can come in and, and be the main guy in the passing game. Just like that, huh? Just walk right in. And be the number one I guy. Mean, I don't, well, well, who's who's going to take the job from him? You know, is, is Jalen Rager going to gonna step up? You know, I, I like it, what I saw from Travis Fulgham, but it's a four game set. You know, it's a four game explosion. That is the that is. I think the wide receiver core is as as interesting as I've ever seen. I mean, young for the most part, really talented. Two first round picks. And well, and it's it's, that, it's and, and, and it's, the tease of, of the tease of Fulgham was like something I've never seen. A four-game stretch where he was no as productive. He was as the anybody. best receiver in the league for four years. Yeah, or for four games. Yeah, I mean, well, that's that's what I was going to say is that I feel like this core, this wide receiver core, is incredibly high variance. Like uh, Devontae Smith could come in and be great right away. Jalen Rager could take a huge step forward uh, in year two. Travis Fulgham could be the guy he was in those four games, and you know maybe somebody like Quez Watkins pops because he's got this this dynamic speed, and all of a sudden you've got a young dynamic wide receiver core, or, uh, you know, it could be Travis Fulgham is the guy he was the rest of the season and Jalen Rager doesn't take a step forward and Devontae Smith struggles to separate as a rookie and uh, nobody else steps up. And so uh, obviously it's probably going to be somewhere in between, but it does feel like all over the board at, at, at wide receiver, they've got like all these guys who could be really good or just underwhelming. By the way, Bo, Jeremy Macklin, 2014, you remember it well, 85 catches, 1,318 yards. And then the following year, Jordan Matthews, 85 catches, 997. And since then, it's been not nearly kind of a high end. Yeah, I mean, Zach Ertz, of course. But yeah, interesting to see how that happens. And, and look, I think everybody I think everybody, as objectively as they can, can be, looks at Devontae Smith and says, if there is somebody who has a great chance to be outstanding, it is Devontae because he really brings everything to the table. Except for like leg width, but you know who needs that? I guess at <laughs> the NFL level. <laughs> All right, we'll, we'll we'll monitor the leg width this season. Um, I'd love to look at um, the defense because I think it's it's to me there are more kind of things you can have expectation for on the offense with the nose that you have the K N O W S is on offense. I'm not sure that I really K N O W about the defense. What is your feel about this group going into the season? Well, I mean, it's um, it's sort of it, it's sort of a top-heavy defense in terms of the defensive line should be really good, and then you know the the linebacker core could be okay, uh, and who knows exactly how how Jonathan Gannon is going to play those guys. But there's no there's no question that the secondary is a big question, um, and especially cornerback. But I guess if you start up front, I mean, Fletcher Cox. Javon Hargrave, Brandon Graham, Derek Barnett, Josh Sweat, Milton Williams, those guys, like that's as good of a top six as I think you probably would see across the league. And I think the Barnett-Sweat dynamic is really interesting with both of those guys entering the final seasons of their rookie contracts. You know, does one of them really pop over the other? I think there's a chance the Eagles could keep both guys, but but I think that's one of the interesting dynamics. But, I mean, 
you know, next to Darius Slay, is it going to be Avante Maddox again on the outside? Is, is Zach McPherson, the fourth round pick, going to step up and take a job quickly? Is, uh, you know, Michael Jaquette going to be a guy in the mix? Is it going to be Josiah Scott, who they traded for from the Jaguars? I don't know. There's a bunch of these guys, and this will be one of the fun training camp things to watch because that's a position where, where you know, it does matter what they do on the field in the summer. But, I mean, I don't, I don't know what the answers are going to be. And then, as you said, like, we don't know what this Jonathan Gannon defense is going to look like. You know, he's, it seems like there's a role for this sort of stand-up pass rusher where – Jannard Avery and Joe Osman and Patrick Johnson, the seventh round pick all uh, were lining up in the spring. How important is that going to be in the defense? You know, how much of a disguise based defense is this going to be and how much is going to be just lining up and letting those, those front four guys go, go and get after it. Oh, I think it's going to be fun. Do you, do you have a, a feel for how good the Eagles are? I mean, I, I'm not sure anybody maybe can. We really just don't know as you talk about this. Right. Teams, we don't know what, uh, but I, I, I really do feel like, new era, uh, new energy level, and a bunch of young players competing with some established veterans. And we'll see where Nick takes it in 2021 as he sets the foundation for the future. That's kind of how I look at the training camp period. This is the next phase in really establishing a solid foundation. As we've seen here, you know, you worked here. When new coaches come in, you want to make sure that you establish the way you're going to do things and you make sure it's a fixed uh, foundation and that everybody knows that if you're going to be a Philadelphia Eagle, this is what's expected of you. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm mean, excited to see who of these young guys steps up. I think if, like, if, if you're really looking forward to the season, that's one of the interesting things. Like, you know, is it going to be Devontae Smith, who, who everybody uh, is very excited to see? And, and, you know, is it going to be somebody who we're not thinking about who just turns out to be a good fit for, you know, for the offense or the defense who was sort of overlooked before? Um, those are the storylines that I think are, are the kinds of things that, that get you excited. Is there, is there anybody that you, like you have your eye on, Dave? I mean, you know, I have my eye on everybody. I, I, there's so many players I don't even know walking back into the building here and seeing the players. I mean, even just face. a list of cornerbacks, like you have to double check. Is this guy a real person? Yeah, I mean, Michael Jaquette, who had we, we, everybody kind of raved about him, and then he went into a game situation last year and really right. struggled. How does he bounce back from that? You know, I'm really intrigued by the by the linebacker situation, and I'm intrigued by the strong side linebacker situation because I think that yeah, traditionally it's kind of been uh, the role that you kind of it's a, a hybrid role. I I just get the sense there's going to be a pass rushing role from from a stand up position on the outside. I think I think that Jonathan really wants to create a lot of pressure, and that they're serious when they talk about being a takeaway machine. And to do that, you've got to be solid on the back end, and we've got a lot of questions about the back end and you got to bring it every down uh on the front end and you can't just do it by blitzing five and six players and when we haven't seen a defense like that in philadelphia in, in a long time so you know i, I think that is a, a real uh intriguing thing as we, as we head into the season bo wolf thank you very much dave thank you thanks so much to bo for that now it's time to hear from jimmy kemsky philly voice some pros and cons on the Eagles. Jimmy always has a unique way of looking at this football team. So let's hear what he has to say about the Eagles and the season ahead. Jimmy Kemsky, uh, look, you were there in the spring. Um, let's just start there. Like, you know, what did you learn about the Philadelphia Eagles and Nick Sirianni in the spring? A, a totally different kind of spring football than we're used to seeing. Yeah, I mean, I thought, first of all, that being able to get together with 
the veterans of the team and, and having um, practices at all <laughs> to begin with, you know, when it looked like uh, a lot of teams are going to be uh, sort of opting out of that, I thought, uh, you know, showed some head coach leadership and, and I thought that it was uh, a positive step that he was able to communicate with the veterans of the team, be able to work it out where you know, they canceled the mini camps and then they had uh, extra practices during uh, OTAs, which is important, obviously, for a, uh, a you know, a neophyte head coach. Remember last year, of course, the Eagles were the only team that were returning their head coach, and the other three teams in the division uh, all had new head coaches. They were, at a, in, in theory, at a, at a big disadvantage. So uh, it was kind of the reverse of that this year with the Eagles being the only team in the division with a new head coach. So it's good that they were able to get some, uh, some time on the grass, as uh, these guys all say now. Uh, so just as a starting point, I thought that was a positive. And then just watching them uh, in practice uh, during OTAs, obviously we don't get to watch a, a big portion of those uh, during the spring, but it was good to see him kind of hopping around from position group to position group. I, thought, I think that Doug and you know, Doug's nature, of course, being a, a former backup quarterback, uh, is that you know he pretty much hung out with the quarterbacks during practice for, for most of the practices, but uh, Nick Sirianni was heavily involved with the quarterbacks, the wide receivers, the offensive line, so on and so forth. So, uh, yeah, I think his energy – and his, uh, you know, his his teaching skills at multiple positions is going to be something to watch during training camp. As we head into training camp here, Jimmy, what are your kind of like your key uh, things to watch, your key issues that the Philadelphia Eagles have? How does this team get back to contention? So as far as training camp battles go, I think obviously the, uh, the one to look forward to in training camp is uh, Jordan Mailata versus Andre Dillard at left tackle. Uh, two very different styles. Mylotta obviously being in a 6'8", 346 or whatever he is and sort of being a brick wall. Uh, isn't going to get run over by power rushers. That's sort of where Andre Dillard struggled uh, as a, in, during his rookie season. Obviously, the torn biceps missed the entire 2020 season. Uh, great feet, great athleticism. So, you know, he can handle guys at speed. Uh, Mylotta, I thought, you know, in his, uh, you know, initial playing time in 2021, Really impressed as he sort of went along during the season, like started out, he was up and down, but you could see his confidence grow with each game. He was just looking to dominate guys. You could really put together a highlight reel of all the times he was just throwing defenders to the ground. He's big and he uses it. Like I remember when they first drafted him, we all saw the, the rugby videos of him just running like much smaller guys over. So he's a big guy. And some big guys don't know they're big guys. They don't act like it. He acts like it, so that'll be a fun battle to watch uh, between those two guys. And then, obviously, the, the, the second cornerback position, the outside cornerback position opposite uh, Darius Slay, uh, that's obviously up in the air with Zach McPherson and uh, guys like Michael Chiquette and Craig James. Maybe Avante Maddox is back out there again. Who knows? But, you know, we'll see if they sign someone between now and the start of the season. But those would be sort of the two position areas that I think a lot of people are going to be focused on when, when training camp gets underway. And, Jimmy, let's talk about the most important position, quarterback and Jalen Hurts, and you saw him for five yep. games and four starts last year. Your thoughts on what you witnessed in 2020 and where he goes in 2021? Yeah, up and down, obviously, as we all saw, I think. I think his the positive traits that he has are, are fairly obvious. He can run with the ball, obviously. Uh, in my opinion, like he's the second most dangerous quarterback in the NFL in terms of you know, running ability behind only Lamar Jackson. Uh, you, you extrapolate his 
is play over four games over the course of a season. He's up around like 1,100 yards rushing. So small sample size, obviously. So I don't know that that, that kind of uh, rushing production is sustainable over the course of a season at the quarterback position because you want to keep those guys upright and healthy. Uh, but as far as his passing goes, you know, I, there's been some criticism about his arm strength. I don't see that. I think his arm is fine. I don't think it's a, it's a positive. I don't think it's a negative. I think it's fi- it's a fine NFL you know, uh, he's, he's fine in terms of NFL arm strength. Accuracy was an issue. Obviously, he only threw for 52% uh, last year, and that's not the end-all, be-all in terms of quarterback accuracy, but there were a lot of throws that you expect NFL quarterbacks to make, and make all of them. So that's the focus area, in my opinion, for him in 2021, is he really has to improve that passing accuracy substantially, uh, or, you know, the Eagles are probably going to be looking for a quarterback next offseason. So that's really what but he has to prove more than anything uh, heading into the season. But, you know, the running ability, the intangibles, the smarts, the leadership qualities, I think they're all there. And I think he's going to be a fun quarterback to watch. All right, Jimmy, let's re- wrap it up here. Okay, so three Jimmy Kemsky Eagles strengths, three Jimmy Kemsky Eagles, well, we don't call them weaknesses here. We call them areas to improve All right. Yeah, so I think the two obvious uh, strengths are uh, in the trenches, the offensive line with, you know, from left to right, whether it's Mylotta or Dillard, Sam Malo, Kelsey, and then the right side of the, uh, the line is, is outstanding. If, uh, Brandon Brooks can return to form and if, and if Lane Johnson's ankle cooperates. And then they have depth there. You had a lot of guys that played offensive line out of necessity last year. And you know, some guys look better than, than, than others, but guys like Jack Driscoll, Nate Herbig, et cetera, like th- those guys are seem like they're ready to fill in if need be. So I think that's a real, positive strength of this team uh, going, you know, in 2021. And then the defensive line, obviously, uh, has always been a strength of this team. But, you know, with Brandon Graham and Fletcher Cox, Javon Hargrave, Derek Barnett, Josh Sweat, you know, the rookie in Milton Williams. Oh, Ryan Kerrigan, of course. They drafted uh, Milton Williams, of course, in the third round. Marlon Tui-Poloto in the in the sixth round. So they have, they have you know, good, nice mix of, of veterans and, you know, young guys and, a, like, a, a, a strong rotation. The <laughs> starters are good. And then they have guys that, in theory, can fill in and you know take up some of those snaps. So, you know, they'd be the two major strengths, I'd say, of this team. And then the third, third one, Devontae Smith. <laughs> like, I'm just very excited to see him play. And he's probably the most decorated uh, college player that they've added to this roster, and you know, maybe ever, but certainly in quite some time. Uh, I'm, I'm really looking forward to see what he can do. And yeah, so areas uh, to improve, I would say. Uh, you know, as I mentioned previously, the cornerback position, you know, you have Darius Slay, who's seasoned that, but opposite him, you know, we don't know who's going to start at that other spot. So I think that's a, an area that uh, of concern heading into the season. But I think their best players are all sort of getting up there in age. That'd be a concern. Uh, not to pick on the linebackers every year, but like, I think they're better. Like they signed Eric Wilson. Uh, Alex Singleton showed that he can play last year. I think TJ Edwards is a nice rundown guy. I think a guy that, you know, maybe didn't get enough, enough credit for in, in limited snaps uh, for the way that he played last year was Sean Bradley. So they do have you know, some guys that maybe can play well in 2021, but you know, we don't know yet. So I would say that, you know, cornerback linebacker, and then just the general age uh, of the, of the best players on the team would be my three concern areas. Interesting. A lot, lot, lot focused on the defense. See you at training camp next week. All right, Dave. See you there. Thanks so much to Jimmy for taking the time to appear on our podcast. Of course, Jimmy Kemsky, Philly Voice, does a great job there, as Bo does 
with The Athletic. Now, Sal Palantonio has a lot to say. Um, and his perspective, more of a national perspective. Uh, he'll be here next week when the Eagles step into the Novacare Complex and open their training camp. Sal Pal breaking down the Philadelphia Eagles circa 2021. All right, Sal Pal, uh, a new season, a new era. You've been through this before. You've seen the changes. Uh, what do you think, A, of Nick Sirianni to date? And what do you think some of the challenges that he faces in 2021? Well, of course, his enthusiasm and energy, David, are infectious. You got to like that. Uh, you know, he's a, he's a young coach. His coaching staff is young. And uh, they have re-energized, obviously, the Novacare facility. And you can just tell by listening to the players, Lane Johnson, Jason Kelsey, Jalen Hurts, and others, that they're feeling the energy of this coaching staff. So that's pretty clear. Um, I wasn't thrilled with the idea that he um, decided to opt out of the mandatory minicamp practice, which means that you know, they'll go nearly 60 days without being on the field. However, I do like the fact that they have joint practices with both the Jets and the Patriots, right? So, uh, you know, that's, that's going to be a, that's going to be a really good addition to their training camp schedule. Sal, this football team, I mean, out of nowhere slumped to four eleven and one in 2020. What will it take to get the Eagles back into the race here in the NFC East and in the NFC? Yeah, you know, I'm glad you said slumped uh, out of nowhere. Because that's how I look at it too, David. I completely agree with you. I don't think at the beginning of last year that we could have predicted the way this went. I mean, training camp started off poorly because Doug Peterson got COVID early on. uh, And then, you know... They had some bad luck with some injuries, and then Carson did not play nearly up to his potential. So, you know, a lot of things conspired, and in the end, they just had a lot of bad luck along the way with injuries, especially on the offensive line. I think that's the number one reason why the team failed so miserably, is they just couldn't handle all the changes that they went through on offense due to injuries. They had, uh, you know, one of the highest rates of injury uh, in the National Football League on both sides of the football. And so that really determined uh, the outcome of the season uh, more than anything else, in my view. And I think that's the number one way that they can get back on track is they need to be healthy. The right side of their offensive line needs to be healthy. They need to figure out the left side, the left tackle position. That, that's where it all starts. I think their defensive line is going to be very good again. And I think Jalen Hurts will cut down on the number of turnovers. He'll become a little bit more accurate. And I like, really like the approach offensively of Sirianni and Shane Steichen, which is that they will ramp up the offense, uh, the, the running the football on offense. So you'll have a greater percentage of run plays, and that will take a lot of pressure off the passing game. Interesting. It's interesting that you're ready to go there with Jalen Hurts. Why do you feel that way? Why do you feel that year two will see a significant jump? Well, I think he has all the intangibles. So, you know, he's going to work hard. He seems to be a really good team leader. Um, I, you know, 
I think that he'll take a jump because the system will help him if, if they can get healthy on the offensive line. Yeah, I, I gotta say, so I, I, I actually like I look at this offense and I say, O line deep, talented, Stoutland still here. Is there any reason to think that this couldn't be a really good offensive line? And then if you have a very good offensive line, as we know in the NFL, you know, the rest of it falls into place with a dynamic running back, with young receivers and a lot of talent. And we'll get into Devontae Smith with Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard at tight end. I, I, I feel like the offense is potentially in a really good place. Do you agree? Yeah, no, I agree with you. You know, but it really comes down to uh, – <clears throat> players who were injured last year, Brandon Brooks, um, he, he's very, very important. Uh, you know, and Lane Johnson only started seven games due to that ankle injury and some knee problems. So you still have the anchor in Jason Kelsey. So, you know, they have to figure out, and I'm not sure they have to figure out right away, but they will. They have to, as, as Jeff Stoutland said, they're going to have Andre Dillard compete with Jordan Mailata for the left tackle position. And one of those two will have to emerge as the starter. From from what I've seen on tape, Mailata um, is the better pass blocker. And Andre Dillard, you know, obviously is the better all-around young talent uh, in both pass blocking and run blocking. But they don't really – they're not a left-handed running team, and they won't be this year. So what they really need – is Andre Dillard to stay healthy and develop his pass blocking skills from the left side. They will obviously help him by chipping, by using a tight end lined up over there. Also, they will help him by just running the ball more, one, two, getting rid of the ball more quickly. I mean, that's, that's going to be the mantra from both Sirianni and Steichen to Jalen Hurts. You can help this offensive line if you get rid of the ball much more quickly than Carson Wentz did. Yeah. And, and, and certainly with Nick, I mean, in Indianapolis, the Colts quarterbacks just didn't take sacks and you're right. Getting rid of the football is so key. So you no. keep mentioning running the, running the football, right? Like miles Sanders, yep. is he ready? Is he ready to take that next step? Oh, more you know, the- what did he, he had 164 carries in 12 games last year. Um, you know, his 5.29 yards per rush was fifth among running backs. So again, if he's available, Miles Sanders can really be uh, an important part of this football team because of the way Sirianni and Steichen love throwing to the running back. So Sanders is going to get obviously a boost of touches and the way they like to run the football uh, with heavy packages. Now go back to Indy. You know, when I remember talking to Frank Reich last summer, David, about how he would turn Philip Rivers into a reclamation project. And he said, listen, here's what we're going to do. We're going to run the ball more. We're going to make sure that he gets rid of the ball more quickly. And those two things are going to reduce his number of interceptions, which they did coming out of the Chargers, and reduce the number of sacks, which they did and reduce the number of fumbles, which they did. So you have a system coming out of Indy that has worked. Now, Phillip Rivers is a veteran quarterback. 
Jalen Hurts is in his second year with only four starts under his belt. Big difference, as we like to say in South Philadelphia, right? Big difference. (laughs) (laughs) I like the accent of Goot. There's a a little accent of Goot right there. Big difference. Yeah, yeah, difference. You know, sometimes you hear people say difference at Broad and Patterson, and then you know where you are. (laughs) No, but, you know, so it's a big, it's a big project and a big ask, but the system does work. All right, Sal, how important is depth at running back, in your opinion, not only for the Eagles, Sal, but for the entire NFL? Yeah, no, depth is really important. There's no question. I'm looking at the fantasy depth chart at running back for the Eagles. And, you know, uh, fantasy numbers are based on a lot of things, past experience and projected production for sure. But Sanders is at 191.7. Kenny Gainwell is number two at 80.1. So there are a lot of people who are looking at this offense, myself included, who think Kenny Gainwell is a perfect antidote to Miles Sanders. He's got the right size. He's 5'9", 205. He's got the right pedigree coming out of Memphis. I actually think Kenny Gainwell has the opportunity to have an immediate impact on this team if they don't overuse him in training camp. And You mentioned depth at running back. Now, why people, I think, David, and I'm glad you mentioned this, people are overlooking the critical importance and impact of a 17-game schedule, which is unprecedented. And the Eagles' bye comes, in my view, in my view, a little late. It's a little late. Right before the bye. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it is mid December. It's week fourteen. Right before that bye, they are at Denver. Going on the road is always hard, but especially in week ten. New Orleans comes in, they're always a pain in the rear end to the Eagles, whoever's playing quarterback. Then they have to go to the Meadowlands, two bus trips back to back at the Giants and at the Jets on the twenty eighth and the fifth. So that that's a pretty rough one-month schedule, four-game schedule. And then the bye comes, and then they play four games within the division to finish up the season. So you better have, as you, as you have pointed out, you better have the right judicious number of carries for running backs so that you can maintain it all throughout a 17-game season. It's... <laughs> 17-game season is, go- is going to impact so many things. Injuries, load management will be a big, num- a big term that we'll hear a lot this year. You know, will coaches give their running backs and receivers a blow here and there at the end of games where they might be up by 14 points or blown out in a game? Can I, can I get the number of snaps these players playing on offense down from 66 to 56 in a given game, three or four times a year, that'll be 30 extra snaps that I might have them at the end of the season. Then impact fantasy, then impact going to impact betting, which is obviously a huge thing now that the NFL has uh, gone into business with the gambling community. Sal, your expectations for, Devontae Smith, and and then let's take a look at Jalen Rager as well. If you, if you can talk to those two players and, and this young receiving core. 
Right. So I'm interested to see what creative ways Sirianni and Steichen line up Rager and Smith. Because in my view, they're going to have to be schemed with formation variation in order to get off the line of scrimmage and get into their routes. And once they're in their routes, with their speed and Smith's striding ability and Smith's ability to catch the football, which I think is phenomenal, um, you know, they can really do some damage. But it's going to be up to Steichen and Sirianni to really study the defensive uh, tendencies going into each game and make sure that he gets these guys open because that's going to be a key component of what they do offensively in the passing game. Yeah, and then real quick, self defense. I mean, to me, you don't. You're not buying. More... You're not buying. My, you're not buying that point on the wide receivers. I'm not you sure. Don't, I, don't, I, I I don't know yet. I what, what's interesting to me is the NFL in the spring is a cerebral game, and when you watch practice, they're literally running against nobody. They're running routes on air, and so I think that Devontae clearly talented, performed at the highest level, the size. If there is an issue, and the Eagles don't seem to think there is one, but if there is an issue, that would seem to be it. So, you know, yeah, I do. How will they move him around? How will they be creative? How will they put him in motion? There wasn't a whole lot of pre-step motion in this offense last year. Uh, what do no. they do to create separation for this for, for these guys? Off the, a, a, not, a, not a big group of wide receivers in terms of Rager and Devontae. How do you get him off the line of scrimmage? I think teams are going to look to try to clamp those guys down before they get started into the route. So that is a very interesting part of, you know, the, the equation in the passing game. Sure. I agree with you. Yeah. And we're going to see a lot of more quarterback movement uh, in this offense than Sirianni had for rivers in Indianapolis, obviously. And I think we'll see a lot, a heavy dose of RPOs with Hertz and that will help because, you know, in RPOs, as you well know, um, you're reading the linebacker. And uh, that that's that's going to be very very important for Hertz's development and for these guys' ability to roam in the middle of the field. The Eagles need to control between the hash marks better than they did last year. Is Zach Ertz going to be on this team? Yes, I do believe he will. Yeah. Yes, I do too. I think he will be on this team. Absolutely, and I think he wants to be on this team for sure. He's what forty catches away from a new franchise record for career reception final year of his contract. He's got a legacy in Philadelphia. Yes. We've seen, we've seen contract issues in the past. I mean, they they always seem to resolve themselves. Yes. And you know, I think that we haven't mentioned Greg Ward. Greg Ward led this team with uh, 53 catches last year. I love Greg Ward. Uh, So again, I think we're back, back to the basic premise. The offense appears to be in pretty good shape on paper. How do you look at the defense? Well, the biggest thing on defense, obviously, is that the new D coordinator, Jonathan Gannon, is going to play a lot more two deep safeties. You know, Jim Schwartz was in love with the single high safety, and they got burned uh, a lot deep. And so I think that's number one. Um, you know, he, he learned that cover two heavy approach in Minnesota and Indy. Um, and I think that is going to be really key. Now, the Eagles had a lot of pressure last year on quarterbacks, but they didn't have a lot of takeaways. 
And so I think that's going to be something that you'll see Gannon preach a lot in training camp is to go get the football and take it away from, from the offense. The other thing is that, you know, Jim Schwartz had a very low blitz percentage in a year last year when the NFL had the highest blitz percentage in five years. Defensive coordinators blitzed David last year at a rate of 27%. That was a five-year high. The Eagles were in the bottom fifth of blitz percentage last season. And so I think Jonathan Gannon playing a cover two approach with a liberal amount of blitzes sprinkled in, putting pressure on quarterbacks, especially some of the quarterbacks that they will face early. Atlanta, you can blitz. Matt Ryan, San Francisco, you can blitz Jimmy Garoppolo, Dallas. You can absolutely blitz Dak Prescott, especially coming off that gruesome leg injury. You don't know what his mobility is going to be like. Then you got Kansas City. Okay. Carolina, you can blitz without a doubt Sam Darnold. Then you got the Bucs. Yeah, it's Tom Brady. But if the Green Bay Packers had blitzed Tom Brady in the NFC Championship game in the first half like they did in the second half, they probably would have beaten Tom Brady in Green Bay. You can blitz Brady. You can blitz Carr. And then you play Detroit, and you can blitz Goff. So they have to they have to ramp up the blitzes. And I am very interested to see whether Gannon will do that this year. In, in defense of Jim Schwartz, I mean, the injuries in the back, on the back end really sure, limited sure. – him. So, so, so that's that's a key. Who's playing cornerback opposite Darius Slay? Is Rodney McLeod going to be healthy? I mean, so yep. that, certainly when you talk about injuries on the offensive side, I I agree with you on the offensive side. I also think defensively they've got to be healthy after a, a lot of injuries in 2020. Yes, but I mean, you know, going back to your point, that is true. Schwartz obviously had to limit the blitzes last year, but his history is not blitzing. The wide nine is not a blitzing defense. So um, from his core, we're going to find out whether Jonathan Gannon will send extra pressure. And I think just the fact that they're going to play two high safeties, cover two, and protect like Jim Johnson used to do. You know, Jim Johnson said to me a million times, Sal, we're going to break down the protection and we're going to protect the house on the back end. That's what you see Sean McDermott do in Buffalo, his acolyte under Jim Johnson. And that's what this team must do. Break down the protection while protecting the house. So let's go back to the original question as we wrap this up. Do you believe the Eagles bounce back in 2021 and contend in the division? I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say yes. Everybody is not as bullish on them as I am, but I think the division had a lot of question marks, and I think this team wants to compete and wants to bounce back and has the energy to do so. But it will all come down to one thing. If the quarterback, Jalen Hurts, plays 30% more efficiently, than Carson Wentz last year. This team will be better. They'll go from four to eight wins. That's all that has to happen, really. Just turn the ball over 30% less or 40% less. 
If you can cut the turnovers in half, David, cut them in half, this team will be better. Much, much, much better. That will do it for this episode of the Philadelphia Eagles Insider Podcast presented by Lincoln Financial Group. Dave Spadaro here. Thanks to Peter Kelly. Thanks to Ray Doyle for their work. Thanks to all of you for joining us each and every week. We're going to ramp things up as training camp begins. So we are very excited that you are along for the ride. Thank you all for joining us. If you have a moment to give us a rating, we've got the link in the review section of your podcast library. We'll be back with more as the Eagles get to the Novacare Complex. Players report on Tuesday. Step on the field for a light practice on Wednesday. And then it's go time for Nick Sirianni and the 2021 Philadelphia Eagles. Thanks for joining, everyone. Have yourselves a great Eagles day. And fly, Eagles, fly. E-A-T-L-E-S, Eagles! Welcome to Season 2 of Return Game. Birds, Boys, and Bad Blood. Presented by Novacare Rehabilitation. There's been no brotherly love between these two franchises. It's a rivalry that started when the Eagles were world champions. And it spanned decades with no signs of letting up. The minute the schedule came out, the Dallas Cowboys were circled on the schedule. They were our target. Sure, this might be the city of brotherly love, but there is no love lost when it comes to the Dallas Cowboys. Some fans can't even utter the name of this bitter adversary. America's team. So how did we get here? Philly crowd was tough. This season, we take you from the hit that started it all. The first thing you saw was Timmy getting up off the ground with blood streaming out of his mouth and his helmet off. To the rise of the Cowboys under Tom Landry. Everybody hated us. Everybody wanted to beat us. They really do hate us, don't they? To Dick Vermeil in the illustrious NFC Championship triumph. To Buddy Ball, the Bounty Bowl, and fourth and one. Here we go, fourth down. They give it to Smith and they stop him again! They stop him again! It's Groundhog Day! It's Groundhog Day! They did it again! And the pickle juice game. And the return of T.O. And 44 to 6. And we could go on and on. And we do. You'll hear all of these stories firsthand from the legends who live them. A true all-pro roster of Eagles greats spanning the decades, including Ron Jaworski, Harold Carmichael, Mike Quick, Seth Joyner, Clyde Simmons, Troy Vincent, Bobby Taylor, Brian Westbrook, Jeremiah Trotter, Connor Barwin, Brent Selleck, and many more. It's the beloved heroes, the load villains, and the iconic moments that make this one of the greatest rivalries in the game today. And for Eagles fans, the one that matters most. It didn't take long to figure out that Philadelphia Eagles fans hated the Dallas Cowboys. When it comes to the birds and boys, you think you know the whole story. But there's more, so much more, and we're about to uncover it all. Return game, birds, boys, and bad blood, coming soon wherever good podcasts can be found. Subscribe now so you don't miss a minute of the action.